How many of y'all are not here because it's Labor Day? Good times. Wonderful. Fantastic. For those who are here, we're glad that you are here. Um, we're going to have a great time today. How many of y'all already had a good time at church this morning? Man, special shout out to the band and Josh and wonderful. Also, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, our new family pastor, is doing such a great job with our children and our students. Let's just, man, isn't that awesome? Now let's just give it up for all of those children's workers. They are so great. Um, by the way, those things that come up there, the 6D9, all right, what's that's up there is if you have a, you got a ticket and when you dropped off your child and if you have 6D9, um, they need you. So there you go. And KY1. Okay, then I'm just moving on. I got to be honest with you. I don't even know where to go from there. I don't know what y'all laughing at. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, next Sunday, we're going to start a new series called Disciple. And it's going to be really, really good. I kid you not. I have been working on this series for over 10 years. And I am looking forward to just coming to you guys and just talking about what it means to be a disciple. In fact, uh, this Sunday we're on our last week called uh, of Inked, and it's going to really be a springboard for the next six weeks of what we're going to be going to disciple. I am joined by Gage Brim. Gage uh, is a tattoo artist at Alpha and Omega Tattoo Parlor, and he's been doing all of our tattoo work on Josh. Let's give it up for Gage. Really nice fella, um, loves Jesus Christ, and I asked him to come on out on stage, and we're gonna, I'm going to do some interview stuff um, just about tattoos. How many of y'all, by the way, how many of y'all heard of Gage, gotten a tattoo by Gage? Anyone? I know I, there was a, yeah, there's one in the back. Awesome. Fantastic. Got one over here. All right. Awesome. Very good. Um, let's just break to the chase. All right. Why do you think most people get a tattoo, Gage? Most people want to remember something important in their life. You know, okay. they don't want it to disappear. They want to remember and they want to learn. They want to look back and go, yeah, I did that. Now, some people want to do it because they want to learn how to commit to things. Okay, awesome. And that, and that definitely overcomes that commitment thing, all those needles. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and now you have tattoos. How many tattoos do you have, do you think? Uh, accumulative. I've got three basics. I've got my back. Mm-hmm. I've got what I consider to be a, you know, kind of a half sleeve on my arm. Mm-hmm. And then I've got my feet. So I would say three, but if you kind of break them down, it's about 14. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like uh, uh, just personally, what was the most painful tattoo you got? Uh, my back. Okay. My back hurt. It covered pretty much the whole thing. And so I got to feel every inch of, uh, you know, you move a little to the left, a little to the right. It feels completely different. You know, there are parts that I kind of wanted to laugh and then really? some parts that I wanted to cry. I didn't. Uh-huh. It's good. I was close. Yeah, all right. I got to be honest with you. If I ever got a tattoo, I probably would not be laughing. So that's amazing. I've seen your back. It's, he has two big angel wings on his back, and it freaking rocks. I mean, it looks really good. Of course, angel wings on your back looks a whole lot different than if I got angel wings on my back. <laughs> and that wasn't that funny. All right. Um, uh, how many people have you ever seen come into a tattoo parlor, was going to get a tattoo, but chickened out? I would probably say one. Okay. Uh, most people are pretty determined, but there was uh, there was one time down in Nashville that the girl came in, started, you know, pretty much that first little zip, and she's like, no, can't do it. It's over. Keep wow. the money. Peace. Love. Chicken grease. All right, cool. That's, uh, that's something. When people get a tattoo, I mean, how do you, how do they normally deal with the pain? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of ways. I mean, you hug tables. I guess you cry. I mean, what can you do? I mean... I tell them just to get over it and know that it's going to be okay later. Okay. 
right. I tell them to kind of watch their breathing, you know. Okay. Uh, tensing up, uh-huh. it's still going to hurt. If you relax, it's still going to hurt. Okay. The problem is if you tense up, you're going to be just ridiculously tired halfway through it. Okay. Sometimes you just got to sit there and let it hurt and know that you're going to get through it. Wow. Dude, that's intense. So you just say, suck it up, get over it. You'd be a good counselor. Uh, we, got, we need to bring you on staff at one church. Suck it up. That's what I've been telling Josh for the last couple months. <laughs> that's cool. Um, I mean, I, I guess the question is, a lot of times when they come in, they know it's going to hurt. What keeps them from get, continuing to get that pain? I mean, what, what keeps them to just keep it on going? They know the end result. Okay, the it's end worth result? it. It's always worth it. Okay. All right. That's cool. And I know we talked about this last night. Uh, the last person you tattooed on yesterday, well, what did they get? Uh, they got a portrait of their baby girl, almost a year old. You know? Okay. She wanted everybody to see it and say, hey, I'm proud of it. So she put it right in the middle of her forearm. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And yeah. I know you just talking last night, you said that's probably one of the hardest tattoos to do is doing a portrait of someone, correct? A portrait of a baby. They don't really look like a real person yet anyway. So uh-huh. it's... Uh... Okay. <laughs> That's just my opinion. It's true, you know. We talked about that last week. How many of y'all got ugly babies? Come on now. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. All right. Okay, last question. And this is the million-dollar question. Do you think I am tough enough to get a tattoo? Thank you guys for having me. Uh, hope you have a good afternoon. <laughs> Let's give it up for Gage. Man, it's great, man. Thank you so much for being out here, bro. Thank you very much. Tell you. I'm not afraid to give a man a hug. All right, cool. Man, that's awesome. You know, when getting a tattoo, it's an all or nothing type of thing. How many of y'all got tats? Man, that's like freaking everyone. That's amazing. Um, uh, you know, when you get a tattoo, getting a tattoo just doesn't kind of happen. Um, in fact, I was talking to Gage, talking to Josh. I mean, especially in Tennessee, I mean, you're, you really can't get a tattoo drunk. You know, you just don't kind of go in and go and then wake up the next morning and go, you know, who is Jillian? You know, it just doesn't happen that much anymore. And then you pretty much always have to date girls named Jillian. And there's not that many of them out there. So it's kind of, but it just doesn't kind of happen. You know, I just kind of get it. I mean, that needle is piercing an eighth of an inch below your skin a hundred times a second. That just doesn't kind of happen. You, it, it takes a conscious choice to get a tattoo. It just, it's just not a casual thing. You know, I think so many of us, in the same way, just being a Christian just doesn't kind of happen. You know, following Christ just doesn't kind of happen. I mean, many of us, I think, when we look at our relationships, for some people, we just call them, oh, well, I'm kind of a Christian. Just like I kind of look at porn, and just like I kind of smoke some weed, and just like I kind of go party on Friday nights, and on Sundays, I do the Christian thing, because I am kind of a Christian. So many of us, I think, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ that the only word that we can use to describe it is fuzzy. It's just fuzzy. It's just, you know, Jesus and I, Jesus is my homeboy on Sunday, but during the week, I'm going to do my own thing because I am kind of a Christian. I'm just a casual Christian. I'm committed to him on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday is my baby. It's my deal. It's kind of like this video we're going to see right here. Check it out. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm a Christian, and this is my story. Growing up, I never missed going to church. When I was 12, I accepted Christ as my Savior. 
I was even baptized. It, it undoubtedly was a very important decision. It even affected how I lived in high school. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I had fun on the weekends. I had a girlfriend, a couple, but I was a normal high school kid. College was one big blur, but I did make it to church out of obedience. And after school, I married a great girl. And she's been a great influence on me. Life's been good. I have a house, three kids. I couldn't ask for more. I mean, sure, I worry about my future. I mean, my marriage, it could be better. And I need to spend more time with my kids. But, but things will be all right. I have my faith. You may not hear me talk about it a lot, but that's, it's just because it's personal. But don't worry for me. My Jesus is real. My Jesus is real. Really? Really? Because here's the thing. What we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks in this series is that God wants to indelibly mark your life. He wants to brand you. He wants you to be identified with him and by him. He wants to tattoo you. But just like no one kind of gets a tattoo, it's an all or nothing, all in or nothing. So many of us, we have that fuzzy relationship with Jesus Christ where we're just kind of a Christian and it's not very obvious. I believe that God wants the, his relationship with you to be obvious. So many of us, and so many of you, you may think, you know what, I've gotten baptized, I got dunked, I went down front, I prayed a prayer, I shook somebody's hand, um, I may have went to communion, I may have went to confession, uh, I may have gotten involved in this denomination, I'm a member of this church, but nothing inside has changed. Nothing inside. And it's my prayer this morning that you will do what this verse that we're getting ready to look at says. That you do what 2 Corinthians says. It says this. 2 Corinthians says, test yourselves. Somebody say the word test. Test yourselves to make sure that you are, what's that next word? Solid in your faith. Don't, what's the next word? Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. Let's, let's all skate, baby. Let's say it together. Checkups. How many of y'all have, when's your last checkup you've had? Physical. All right. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand, what's that word? Evidence. You need firsthand evidence, not just hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, then do something about it. Some of you need to test yourself. Some of you need to make sure because your relationship with Jesus is fuzzy. It's not obvious. And if it's not obvious to those people around you, then you be honest with you, it, you may not have an obvious faith. Jesus Christ may not be living inside of you. You're just kind of a Christian. I'm kind of have a relationship with Jesus. You know, there are 2.1 billion people in the world who claim to be Christians. 2.1 bill. That's a lot of people. And yet this world is going to hell 90 miles an hour. 
And I just, I don't believe it that there's 2.1 billion Christians. I think there's a 2.1 billion, a lot of people who think they're Christians, but they got a little fuzzy relationship with Jesus. And Jesus doesn't allow any fuzz. We're going to be talking about the next few weeks with disciple. There is no fuzz. It's crystal clear. It has to be obvious. Let's look at that verse again. 2 Corinthians, test yourselves. Ask yourself some questions. Ask your coworkers, your spouse some questions. Hey, am I a Christ follower? Not do I wear a Christian t-shirt. Not do I have a cross tattooed on the side of my arm. Not that I have a a Christian bumper sticker or I have a fish on the back of my car. Some of y'all got fishes on the back of your car. You're driving 100 miles an hour down the interstate. You know what I call those? Flying fish. All right. That's not what I'm asking. He says, test yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in your faith. If I were to ask the question, how many of you, you you could characterize your faith in Jesus Christ as solid? I bet you many people in here today couldn't raise their hands because we don't feel solid. And Paul, when he's writing this, he's saying it's not the church's fault that you don't feel solid. It's your fault. You need to test yourselves. You need to be in the Bible for yourself. I'm going to keep on reading. Don't drift along. I mean, drift. I mean, I love canoeing. And a lot of times when you're on a river and you just drift, when you're just drift, I mean, you can just go into logs, you can go into banks, you can go into all this stuff. But he's saying, no, what I want you to do is I want you to take, I want you to take an oar and I want you to plunge it into the water and I want you to allow God's word to direct you. I want you to allow God's word to direct you. So, don't just drift along. You need first-hand evidence. How many of y'all watch CSI? Or watch CSI? Let me say that. All right, that's okay. I mean, I don't know which ones you like watching, but you need to have some evidence. Some evidence. You need to have something to back up what you're saying. Do you have some evidence? Because all of us, we can talk a good game on Sundays. But does that evidence come out on Thursday night? Does that evidence come out on Friday night? You need some evidence. I'm going to keep on reading. Evidence that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Some of you need to do something about it because you have this fuzzy relationship that's not very obvious to anyone, including yourselves. Just fuzzy. You're kind of of a Christian. And there is no just kind of it. It's all in or nothing. If you were to ask somebody close to you, hey, is uh, is my first sergeant, is is he a Christ follower? Is, uh, you know what, is this private? Is is he a Christ follower? If you were to ask your spouse, if you were to ask your students in your classroom, if you were to ask people around you in your influence, would they say yes? And not that he wears a Christian t-shirt, but he is a Christ follower. All right? Now, I'm going to keep on going. Here's the thing. If it's an obvious faith that God wants us to have, then the inside will affect the outside. In fact, that's our big idea this morning. When, you become, when one becomes a Christ follower, it is obvious the inside affects the outside. By the way, I had to Google that word affects. That is the right one because I wanted to put E-F-F-E-C-T. Kind of crazy, but anyway. All right, so the inside affects the outside. 
If the inside hasn't affected the outside, then maybe you're not a Christ follower. If it's not obvious, if you have this fuzzy relationship with Jesus, then you may not have Jesus in you at all. Biblically, now this is what's so cool. Every time someone got identified with Jesus Christ, when somebody got marked with Jesus Christ, you know what happened? They got heat. They were persecuted. They were beat up for their faith. They lost freedoms. And that, and in a lot of ways, is the true test of whether or not you're marked. I want to talk about a fella today who was indelibly tattooed, inked, marked, branded by Jesus Christ, and it literally left scars. He's a, his name is uh, Paul. And we're going to find his story in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. It's page 894 in the One Church Bible. In fact, we're going to look not just at Paul, but at 12 disciples that Jesus used to turn the world upside down. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. Paul is writing this about himself, and he says, From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that shows I belong to Jesus. Because something happened on the inside of Paul and affected his outside, the people on the outside started scarring, literally, Paul. In fact, Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, the New American Standard Version says this, For now on, let no one cause trouble for me. For I bear on my body the brand marks. Of Jesus. That Greek word for brand mark, because that's the original language this was written in, was Greek, is the word stigmata. And it, it, it means scar, it means branding, it means mark, but can it, also be, it can also be translated as tattoo. 2,000 years ago, people got tattoos. Uh, this is so neat. Slaves in that, in that, uh, environment, they were tattooed, the name of the master was tattooed on them to show identification. As soldiers, how many of y'all are soldiers in here? Huh, all right. Now, this is interesting, all right. We can give it, we're going to clap, let's clap for them. <laughs> soldiers, listen to this. Uh, the name of your commander was tattooed on you. How many of y'all would like the name of your commander tattooed on you? But don't nobody raise your hands, all right? Some of you go, I would not. You know, all right, all right, all right. But it was, it, was, it was a mark that showed identification. So back in that day, slave soldiers were marked to show, hey, this is ownership or identification. This is interesting because people who were really excited about their faith, the Bible calls them religious zealots, they also tattooed the name of their gods on their body to show their level of commitment to that God. So Paul is standing up and he's talking to these former slaves. He's talking to soldiers. He's talking to religious people who go all out on their faith. He says, you know what? You want to know about stigmatas? You want to know about tattoos? You want to know about scars and marks? He says, I've got them. Because Paul's faith was obvious. It wasn't fuzzy. It was crystal clear, Paul just wasn't kind of a Christian. He suffered for his faith. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let's all turn there. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Paul is going to talk about all the things that happened to him because of his obvious faith. This is what it says. I am a servant of Christ. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. I mean, imagine the scars of getting whipped. 
and face death again and again. Five, everybody say the word five. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. How many of y'all seen The Passion of the Christ? I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I saw that movie. I was, it was, I, it was relieved that he was crucified. Because the thing, the thing that just tore me up was them just flogging him. Y'all remember that, don't you? Pieces of skin falling off and the disfigurement and the scars. That happened to Paul five times. Not once, but five. He got, it says 39 lashes. In that culture, if you were a Roman citizen, 40 lashes, if you got 40, that was considered, okay, you were going to die from those injuries. So they said, you know what? We're going to beat you 39 times. We're going to beat you literally to the point where you're almost dead. And that happened five different times. My God, think about that. Keep on going. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Let me tell you what they would do. The angry mob would get you. They would throw you in a pit or throw you in a, a lower part. They would get the biggest stone that somebody could pick up, and they would go over you, and they would drop it on you. And if that didn't kill you, then everybody would take stones, and they would start aiming at you, and they would start hurling them and throwing them and throwing them and throwing them until you were dead. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, the first person who was killed because their faith was obvious was a fellow by the name of Stephen. And he was stoned for his faith. And guess who was there helping them out? This fellow writing this, Paul. He was there. He was stoned. I'm going to keep on going. Three times I was shipwrecked. I mean, think about that. Clinging to cargo. All right, look at this. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Y'all remember open sea, don't you? I mean, dead gone. I mean, he's out there at night by himself. I've traveled on many long journeys, faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, in the seas. I faced danger from men who claim to be believers but who are not. I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to even keep me warm. It was obvious that Paul was marked by Jesus Christ. It was obvious that he had a faith that wasn't fuzzy. And he says, you want to know how obvious it is? Let me take off my shirt and let me show you my back. Let me show you, because here, this happened here. And you know what? Here, I was shipwrecked and, and, and I, I, mean, I, I kind of walk a little different because of that. Here, I ended up, after the shipwreck, I grabbed something and a snake bit me. It's found in Acts chapter 20. I mean, a snake bit him. He says, I, I can show you the scars. You want to you see how I've been marked? I am serious about my faith. It is obvious. Paul says, I have on my body the literal stigmata, the brand marks of me getting serious and obvious about my unfuzzy faith. So let me ask you a question. Is your commitment obvious? What brand mark do you wear? Because all of us wear brand marks. All of us wear brands. Some of you in here, you got a brand. And I'm not just talking about lucky jeans. All right? Some of you are wearing brands, and it has nothing to do with Jesus. And I'm not talking about clothes, because that don't matter. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. What brand does your heart wear? Whose are you? 
What level of commitment do you have? Because many of us are just kind of Christians. <laughs> it reminds me of a true story with when I was an idiot. Um, my wife and I, um, uh, we got engaged. I asked her parents if I could, you know, ask for her hand in marriage. And, uh, her dad is, uh, he's something. Uh, he's a Green Beret, Special Forces, volunteered for tours in Vietnam. Volunteered. How many of y'all seen Meet the Parents? Dear Lord, that was my, I mean, seriously, he's asking me, he's got his hand on my, you know, feeling for my pulse. He's going, do you love my daughter? Sure. (laughs) Please put that gun away, sir. All right. I mean, so finally, you know, I, I passed their test. I remember taking my mom and dad out to eat here in Clarksville at the Olive Garden because that's how I roll. And uh, we went to the Olive Garden and I was going to announce to them, let them know that Kim and I were engaged. All right. So uh, we go to the Olive Garden and I look at my mom, look at my dad. Kim's there right beside me. And this is what I said. Hey, uh, we're kind of engaged. My, my, my mom and dad look at me kind of, kind of engaged. My wife is looking at me and like, we are what? Kind of engaged? Now, you thought we were kind of engaged, but we ain't engaged at all now. I mean, did you think that infused her with a lot of confidence? I'm kind of engaged. No, sir. All right? I mean, it's kind of like being kind of pregnant. Right? You either are pregnant or you're not pregnant. It ain't no kind of. It's kind of like kind of getting a tattoo. No, sir. You either have a tattoo or you don't. It's kind of like kind of being a Christian. Yeah, I'm kind of a Christian. You know, I kind of do this. Me and Jesus, we have, you know, we have a relationship on Sundays. I'm kind of. No, no one is kind of a Christian. You can't allow that to become fuzzy. Because if it's fuzzy at all, you probably don't have a relationship with him. It has to be obvious. It has to be crystal clear. You've got to declare your intentions that I am marked by Jesus Christ. And God will use any and everything, including persecution, including getting beat up, to make sure this gets crystal clear. That is amazing. God took 12 people, 12, and two, I'm holding up two, 12. And he took those 12 people, and guess what he did? 2,000 years later, we have 2.1 billion Christians out of 12. How did that happen? How did that happen? I mean, that's some math right there. 2.1 bill from 12. I'll tell you how it happened is because these 12 people had a faith that was obvious. They got excited. They didn't try to hide it. They didn't try to camouflage it. They weren't fuzzy with their relationship with Jesus. 12 people said, you know what? I'm going all in. How many of y'all like Texas Hold'em? Come on now. You go all in. Come on. I'll I'll, I'll beat you later. That'll be good. All in. I'm willing to go all in on my faith. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to go all in. He took 12 people and he turned the world upside down. I'm getting ready to share with you some stuff that's going to blow your skirt up. Because what we see is these 12 people went all in, had an obvious faith. And let me tell you how they ended. This is what church history has to say about us. Peter, he had an obvious faith. Obvious. In fact, he wrote two books. First and second. Peter, y'all are really good, all right? Peter, 
he goes to Rome to tell Jesus, tell about Jesus and his obvious faith. And they got tired of listening to him talk. They said, you know what? We're going to crucify you. And he says, no, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. And they said, okay. So they nailed him on a cross and they flipped the cross upside down. And he was crucified because of his obvious faith. Not only him, but his entire family. Wow. Obvious faith. There wasn't any fuzzy things going on there. What about his brother, Andrew? Peter's brother, Andrew. I mean, every time Andrew's mentioned in the Bible, it's always Simon Peter's brother. Andrew, who's Simon. How many of y'all got, you're known because of your brother or sister. Anyone? All right, doesn't it make you just want to, right? That was Andrew, right? Let me tell you how Andrew who went all in on his faith and said, you know what, I'm going to make it obvious. He chose to go to Greece. And he told people about Jesus Christ there. And they got sick of hearing it. There wasn't this thing, you know, I'm just going to keep my faith to myself. No, that's bunk. He says, no, it's obvious. Let me tell you, they took Andrew, who had an obvious faith, and they crucified him. Not with nails, but with ropes. And they tied him up there. And for three days he hung there alive. And as he's dying for those three days, I mean, he's, I mean, people start coming up. And he starts telling them about Jesus while he's on the cross. And people start getting saved. And, all these, and a crowd starts getting around him. And they start hearing Andrew, who's dying, talking about Jesus. And if you accept him, you will live forever. And all these people, they start getting saved. They start, you know, people start baptizing. Andrew's just hanging there. In fact, in fact, until so many people started getting saved, they go, went to the governor and they said, hey, you got to release this dude. It's obvious he has a faith. So they start cutting the, the, the ropes that's hanging him up there. And as they finally cut the last one and his body falls to the ground, he dies. Andrew had an obvious Faith or Matthew, you might know him because he wrote a book of the Bible named. Yeah, it's all about Jesus. Matthew gets so serious about his faith, so obvious about his faith. He gets killed because they don't want to hear about Jesus. In 60 AD, he gets killed by the sword in what's known as Afghanistan. Because Matthew had an obvious faith. John Mark wrote the book of Mark. It's all about Jesus too. He decided to go down to Egypt and tell everybody about Jesus and this obvious faith of his. And they got tired of hearing him. So they tied his hands. They tied his feet. They put a rope around his feet and tied it to the back of a chariot. And they drug him all through Alexandria, Egypt. They threw him in jail that night. And that next morning, they took his body and they burned him. Because he went all in. There wasn't any fuzzy there. The inside affected the outside. Wasn't any fuzzy there. Well, what about James? James. We're going to study the book of James in a couple of, probably about a couple of months, actually. And James had an obvious faith and an angry mob beat him and stoned him. Jude was crucified in Persia. Bartholomew was beaten to death by clubs. Thomas, what was his nickname? Doubting Thomas, right? Let me tell you what Doubting Thomas did. He, he got over the whole doubt thing. He traveled to India, told everybody there about Jesus Christ until they could only shut him up when they took a spear and ran it through his chest. He had an obvious faith. Simon traveled to Africa and Britain but was crucified because his faith wasn't fuzzy. 
Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who wrote what we just read in Galatians and in 2 Corinthians, Paul was beheaded by the sword in Rome because he had an obvious faith. John wrote the book of John in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, and he also wrote Revelation. Let me tell you, because of his obvious faith, they took him alive and boiled him alive in oil. And he lived. I mean, think about that. He lived. Imagine the scars. Imagine the disfigurement. All because he said, you know what? I'm willing to go all in. I'm willing to go all in, and I'm going to make it obvious, even though it's going to affect me, and even though they're going to try to kill me. Nero, Emperor Nero of Rome, killed thousands of Christians because they had an obvious faith. They would take Christians and they would dip them alive in hot tar, and they would impale them on a stake and light them on fire so that he could be able to have torches that lit up his gardens. Nero would take the carcasses of dead animals and he would put alive Christians in there and sew them up in these carcasses and put them in the Colosseum where lions and bears would come and maul these people to death. You see, it cost them something. Even today, 450 people a day. Let's say that. 450 people a day. Let's say it one more time. 450 people a day get killed because of their obvious faith. Where Christianity is spreading the fastest here in the world is where people are getting killed the fastest. It's only in America that we can be kind of a Christian. It's only in America that we can have this fuzzy relationship with Jesus. When you're over in Islamic countries... When, when you name the name of Jesus Christ, when you get baptized, they will kill you. In fact, last week, Anna Palmer, she was up here. She landed. She is in Southeast Asia in a closed country where they will kill you. She's willing to go all in. She's willing to make her faith obvious. But here, you know, I'm kind of a Christian. You know? I do this thing on Sundays. It's me and Jesus. Shouldn't be that way. And let me tell you, if you're here today and this is your first time, this is not a normal sermon I preach. And I'm just going to say, you may have left churches because you saw some Christians who were kind of Christians. You know what I mean? I think most people, they don't go to church because they're filled with what? I'm sorry. This is an all-skate morning. Most people say, I'm not going to go to that church because that church is filled with hypocrites. What they're saying is their faith isn't obvious. And some of you have left churches or have been bumped out of churches because, you know what, I'm just going half in. You know, I'm going to go two-thirds, you know. And none of us respect people like that. We want people, we want to follow people, we want to be around people who say, I am making it obvious. So my question is, are you making it obvious? What if God took 12 people, just like he did 2,000 years ago, if he had 12 committed people, what could God do to this this city with 12? 12. Not 50. Not 550 that we had last week. 12. 
You know, when we started one church two years ago, we didn't start a church because somebody needed to go to church because you probably passed 10 churches to come to this church. You know what I mean? We started one church because we wanted a church that was focused not on buildings, not on programs, not on any of this stuff, but focused on people and Jesus Christ. That is the reason we started one church two years ago. And let me tell you, since then, we started with 35 people. God has continued to grow us because people decide, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in. I, I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to go all in. And since two years ago, you have given over $100,000 to missions. Every dollar that you give, 13% of it goes back to missions. So if you give $100, we decide, you know what? If we're going to ask people to give a percentage or 10% or 5% or whatever, you know what? We're going to give a percentage. So we give 13% back. You know, it's because you give that we're able to share God's love and God's faith to people in Afghanistan and Iraq when they're able to, while they're deployed, they're able to go on our website and listen, download small group material, and soon we're going to put up videos of it. It's because of your giving that we're able to do that. It's because you were able to share your faith and teach a fifth grader or a second grader that since the beginning of our church, we baptized over 45 people who said, I'm going all in. You know what? You mark me. I am going all in and I want to make my faith obvious. We've had 180 people say, you know what? I'm going to mark that. I want to know more about Jesus Christ because I want to, my faith to be obvious to everyone. And some of you, this is what I don't understand. Some of you go, well, I just, you know, you, you, you get saved. You, you get that obvious faith. And God says, the next step is I want you to be baptized. And some of you are going, I just, I'm not going to do that. It's icky. It's, you know, I'm not going to do, I'm getting in, in, a, in a warm tub in front of 500 people. That's just weird. I agree. It is weird. All right. It's, it's not, a, it's what you, not what you normally do. But this is what God has chose that said, you know what, I'm going all in. And some of you, you began a relationship with Jesus Christ two years ago, and you're still, you're waiting on somebody, you're waiting on something, but you're not willing to take that next step. You're not willing to get obvious. Some of you, you've been coming to church for two years and you say, yeah, one church, my church. But you've not gotten involved anywhere. You've not gotten involved anywhere. If you've been coming here for two years and you've not gotten involved, let me give you a word of encouragement. Leave. Because there are tons of churches around here that got a lot of people who don't do jack If you're not willing to get on board to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we're not about attracting a crowd here. And some of you are going, this is just my first Sunday. Lay off me. You know what? I'm not talking to you. All right? I'm talking to people who've been here a long time. Y'all need to get involved. You're willing, you need to go all in. Some of you have been coming for a year and you're like, you know what? I've given you a buck. Hear me. One church doesn't need your money. Really, we don't. God doesn't need your money. It is an opportunity for you to affect people's lives by giving. And some of you, you need to go all in. You need to say, I'm willing to give this amount. I'm not going to tell you what amount to give. God can do that. But what if, what would this town look like if you decided to get serious about your faith? What would this town look like if you went all in and you went obvious and you got this fuzzy stuff out of the way? What would it look like?
Today, I know there's some of you who need to do what this next verse says, and it's it's the very first verse we looked at. You need to test yourselves. You need to test yourselves. Because you're not a Christ follower. You you have the branding, you got the t-shirts, you got all that stuff. Nothing's changed inside. If the inside has not affected the outside, then maybe Jesus Christ is not inside of you. You need to go all in. As we close, we're going to have some people on the side of these side of the room here. And if you just need to know how to make your faith obvious, if you need to know what it takes to have that obvious faith and to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, then we're going to give you that opportunity. For some of you, and we're going to be talking a lot about this next week, a lot about this next week. In fact, I want to preach it right now. Okay, I will. No, I'm joking. Um, Let me tell you this. God doesn't call anyone to be a Christian. Did you know that? The word Christian is only found three times in the Bible. That's it. You know what God calls us to do? To be his disciple and to follow him. Some of you, you're a Christian. And you have your relationship with Jesus, and that's okay. You know where you're going once you die. Heaven, that's good. But you need to take that next step. Because being a Christian isn't enough. Some of you need to stop being a Christian and become a follower of Jesus. You need to become his disciple. That's next week. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this series. Lord, just how, how it's impacted my life because so many times we allow what people say about us and even what we say about ourselves to mark us and define us and to identify us. And Lord, we look at these marred, weird images of ourself in the mirror. Lord, we see ourselves as failures. We see ourselves as people who are unloving and unworthy and aren't worthy to be loved. But Lord, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, so that we could never, ever, ever say that we have been unloved. For God so loved me. And for God so loved you. God so loved the people in this room. God so loved the people who are outside of this room. God so loved the people who are still having a buzz from their hangover from last night. God so loved everyone. And God, that is the reason why two years ago we started One Church. It's for people who don't like church. Because i got to be honest with you, God, I've been there. I've been there where I feel like I've been bumped out, I've been hurt, I've been burnt, and I don't want to go back, but I love you, God. And Lord, I thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be able to reach people that no one else is reaching, but that means we got to do stuff that nobody else is doing. So Lord, I pray that you would continue to give us the opportunity. This is just for the first two years, God. And I thank you so much for what you've done in so many people's lives, so many baptisms. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.